catch the first Grand Slam action of the year down under with the Australian Open starting January 14. Hear live commentary from Melbourne Park on ATP Tennis Radio thanks to AO Radio and look out for our daily podcast, The AO Show. Gavrilova goes back that way, but they're off the line. Nicely picked up. Djokovic follows Tunga across goal winner. Don't miss AO Radio's exclusive coverage of the Australian Open on ATP Tennis Radio. Now it's time for the first real test, with the first major of the year upon us, the Australian Open. The stage is set, the best in the world are ready, and on its way, we look ahead to Grand Slam action in Melbourne, while locking away the team's time capsule predictions for 2019, and hearing from Mats Verlander, Tanasi Kokonakis and Alex de Menor. I'm Gigi Sam, and it's great to be with you, and you are listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Hello and welcome to Melbourne Park. I should say, just to start things off, it's Saturday because a lot can happen in a couple of days and I don't want you listening thinking, well, that's not right and they're not playing anymore. So it's Saturday afternoon. It's Kids Day at Melbourne Park. And our position for this podcast is the AO Radio commentary booth on the Rod Laver Arena. We're around sort of calf height with the players as we look out of the window. And if you're listening to this podcast wondering how you can listen to the Australian Open, then ATP Tennis Radio is rebroadcasting AO Radio. So every ball of all the matches of Rod Laver Arena checking in with the other courts. And uh, so we hope you enjoy that. That's going to be coming to you every day with the team. It's sunny. There's a slight breeze. The jet lag on my part is uh, it's pretty shocking today, but I'm very happy to say that keeping me on the straight and narrow, <laughs> a member of the AO Radio team, Peter Picasso. Can I do that? Am I capable of, hello, by the way, happy new year, everyone. But yes, can, can I, do you think I can do that? As I said that, and that's my, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, do we still say happy new year on the, whatever, I don't know what day, I don't know what day or day We are recording is. on the 12th of January. When do you have to stop saying happy new year? When you stop seeing people for the first but time. you can see people throughout the year. I could. So you'll keep saying it? Well, maybe. I might do that. It might be <laughs> my new thing. <laughs> Weather, I should say, is lovely, but it's, it's going to get hotter. 36, 37, I think, day one. That's going to be nice. You'd like that sort of heat, don't you? I, I... We love it here. Love it. Well, coming to you from the commentary box where we are, it's normally, if the air conditioning is working, it's normally pretty cool. So you can find yourself in a commentary box wearing a scarf, That's a hat true. and a jumper, and then you go out into the hairdryer heats of uh, Melbourne Park. We should say that I needed your guidance to get to the commentary box this year and a little bit of this has been said on social media with the players, including Andy Murray, who we're going to speak about in a second, saying the facilities are incredible. They're ever developing. A lot of changes at Melbourne Park, especially to the Rod Laver Arena. Yes. So this is part of all the, the redevelopment that's been going on progressively. So if you see shots of the whole precinct, you see the big tall building. That's the Tennis HQ that's been around for a couple of years now. That was sort of the stage one process. And now we're into the stage two process, which is refurbishing Rod Laver Arena. So uh, if you're looking at the TV pictures at any stage during the coverage, you'll notice that the seats have gone from, well, the lower bowl anyway, has gone from green to blue. Uh, you'll notice that there's a, a brand new building sort of sticking out of Rod Laver Arena. That's the new player 
area, player zone, which is a couple of levels, which has got everything that they could possibly want and need, and even some of the stuff that they probably don't want or need, but it's in there anyway, and it just keeps expanding. The other thing to point out too is with this sort of renovation that's going on, they've done some renovations to the roof. The roof now closes in five minutes rather than 15. So they've upgraded the motor in the roof, so it closes a hell of a lot quicker than what it used to. This now was the first roof, obviously, that we had, retractable in tennis, took forever to close. Now we've sped it up a little bit, so it's uh, it's going to be a lot quicker if it starts raining. We won't have as big a delay on Rod Laver Arena. I have to say, though, if you hadn't been with me with jet lag, because I mentioned this is Saturday afternoon, I arrived Friday night, if I had to find my way here because the the booth I work in for the BBC is next door to Air Radio to find my way here with jet lag I, I'd still be walking around yeah and probably I'd be commentating you could just hear from the sound of my voice you actually I could just voice. follow the voice of Peter McCarthy and, and that would have got you here <laughs> no problems at all but yeah everything underneath has been renovated and it's the way of I guess rejuvenating a stadium without knocking it down and starting again really it's the best way to go about it it's a great stadium anyway but now we're sort of, what are we, about 30 years, 31 years of, of being here at th- this particular venue. So now it's time just to refurbish everything. So it changes all the time. How is your time going to be spent over the next couple of weeks? Oh, look, I, I'm just, it's going to be a blur. It's just one, just one place to the next and someone gets in my ear and says radio. Someone says TV. It's like, yeah, okay, now I know what I'm doing. So I'm going to do a mixture of AO radio, of course. This is year number three. 12 or 13. So you will be heard on ATP Tennis Radio. My word, I will. Wouldn't miss that. And then uh, also doing World Feed TV. So you might hear me in some places around the world on some apps or or the like. Uh, And then also if you're on ozopen.com each morning from 9 o'clock or 9.30, I should say, Melbourne time, we're doing a preview show. So I'll be hosting, co-hosting that as well each morning. And it's worth saying that if people are listening to this during the Australian Opener, they have found us because of listening to ATP Tennis Radio with the rebroadcasting of AO Radio. You can also, throughout the year, via Tennis Australia's Tennis Mash site, under the Live Scores section, they'll be able to hear all the ATP Tennis Radio coverage. And we're talking the Masters, the Finals, the 500s. We've got Next Gen Finals, World Tour Finals. So just, we're up and running. The season's underway just tennis everywhere. The good part is that ATP Tennis Radio, we're spreading far and wide. We're, we're getting the word out everywhere about the work that we're doing. And, and Tennis Smash is a great site if you want to just keep up to date with the latest news or there's different polls and all sorts of different things on there throughout the year. And it's great that they're uh, hosting the stream as well. We, we've got so much to get through in this ATP Tennis Radio podcast and we have our time capsule predictions a little bit later. I haven't seen, we've seen some of the others, but I haven't seen Peter's. He hasn't seen mine. So that's going to be interesting when we get to that bit. And it's worth listening, if you haven't already, to last week's podcast with Seblosia, Miles McLagan and Arv Palmer sat round and gave all their predictions. The champion from 2018. There's a, a special Arvin Palmer question. Uh, so lots to get through. And I mentioned we're hearing from Matt Svalander, Tanasi Kokonakis, who's qualified, Alex de Menor, who had such a great year last year. He's, well, he's in action this evening as we're talking Australian ties. So lots to talk about. But I want to start with some of the stories. The only place we can start is with Andy Murray in the press conference that he held yesterday. Now, people weren't expecting what he said the the top players hold press conferences now not being seated he didn't have to hold a press conference when it was said he was going to hold one people thought great we'll get an update on the hip how he's feeling five-time finalist here the very first question 
how are you feeling? He said a few words, not great, had to leave because he was in tears. Before Peter, he came back, composed himself, came back and carried on with what turned out to be a very emotional press conference. And beware the 11am Friday press conference before a major uh, because that's not usual for the top players. It doesn't matter who you are, you're not getting to the courts and talking to the media at 11 o'clock on a Friday morning. It's just not the done thing. But So the thought was maybe that he wasn't going to play, that he was just going to pull out of the Australian Open and continue the recovery process. I think that was sort of a leading sort of thought process around the... But then he came out with... Like just a very simple question, how are you? And got that response. He thought, oh no, this is bigger. This is a much bigger story than what we were expecting. Gosh, the the response around the tennis world has been incredible. Incredible. It's been amazing. It's been heartfelt. It was heartfelt from Andy. I think Andy probably wanted to get that off his chest because it must it, be hard though because when you say something out loud, it becomes real. You can say something among your friends with him. It was with his team in Miami when he said, "Look, the pain is too much. That we have to make a decision here." But when you say it out loud to the world, in this case, then it become then it becomes real. Not saying that miracles can't happen and things could change, but then it becomes really, really real. But the the thing that I took out of it. And you would know as a parent, you know, if you're saying, I can't put my shoes and socks on without feeling pain, you think about, okay, what about his kids? You know, to be able to run around and play with his kids in the future, to be able to pick them up, to do all that sort of stuff. This is now a a quality of life uh, issue for him. And that's got to certainly weigh heavily because, you know, talking about the rest of your life and, you know, if he keeps pushing, pushing, pushing for something that's not that's going to make his life worse in the long run and he's going to live with that for the rest of his life, then he's probably right to sort of say, well, hang on, this is going to be a real problem. I might get it fixed up, but I'm not going to be able to play again. And to call time, I hope he gets to Wimbledon. And I hope even if he doesn't play between the Australian Open and Wimbledon, I hope he gets one last match on centre court. He'll get the wild card, come in and play one more time because he certainly, with all that he's done for tennis, not just British tennis but tennis deserves that farewell. We do hope he can get to Wimbledon, still be playing at a good level, which he's shown he's got still, of course, a very good level. Of course, it's compromised with the moving, but it's going to be very interesting what happens here and over the next few months, because I don't think he'd want to limp out onto centre court just to get that farewell and and not be the player that we remember. I think he wants to go out there and be as competitive as he can be. So it's going to be really interesting, starting with this first round match against the Spaniard, who was the winner in Doha, to see how the next few months. But it's so sad. And I think a, a tweet for me that stood out was from Billie Jean King saying it's not just about the tennis. He's fought for so much. He talks about equality in sports, the, the rights of women. He's also very big on, on anti-doping. He's never been afraid to speak his mind. And the respect that he's got from inside the locker room, people outside tennis, the outpouring of emotion on social media was unbelievable. When you've got uh, Nick Kyrgios saying nice things about you, you must be doing, <laughs> you must be doing something right, surely. But, you know, it's, it's interesting that we look at his career as well, and he's, again, a player that has nothing left to prove either. And I take, take that point. It's, I guess, purely from a selfish point of view, and I'm sure from the fans' point of view, that they want a chance to say goodbye. They don't want to have that situation where, particularly at Wimbledon, where he's had that success, and I still go back to that first Wimbledon title, and the emotion and everything, the the atmosphere around the place is something I will absolutely never forget. For them to be able to say, hey, thanks for all that you've done, not just for British tennis, but for tennis all around the world, I think would be sensational. Obviously, yes, he doesn't want to be limping all around the court, but you know, the, the, the fact that the fans want to have that 
opportunity as well. And, and he deserves to take the applause from the crowd at least one more time. So what a start to the tournament that as we speak on the Saturday hasn't even started. And, and before the Andy Murray press conference, we were thinking about Rafa Nadal. How is his body going to hold up if at all? There's Thomas Berda who got to the final in Doha after six months off. What can he do? Stan Wawrinka, can he really push on now when he had that stop start year last year after the back end of the year before having the knee surgery? There are there are so many there are so many questions, including looking at those players. We know Juan Martin Del Potro isn't going to be here in Australia, starting a bit later because of the comeback. But talking about all these players looking to return. Joe Wilfred Songa. As well, we saw him uh, on ATP Tennis Radio. We saw him in Paris play a, a couple of matches there. You know, he's working his way back. It's an interesting sort of stage of where we're at with the tour because we had Djokovic, that huge run towards the end of last year. Federer's had exactly the same preparation as 12 months ago and, and the year before as well, where he's played at the Hopman Cup in Perth and blown the competition away there. Sasha Zverev, slight change in terms of his preparation. He's been playing in, uh, in Perth. But he's actually won some singles matches, which he was very happy about. It was a struggle at times, <laughs> but he did win them. Um, obviously played in the final again, but a hamstring injury in Adelaide just before he was going to play uh, one match there. Uh, we're not sure how serious that is at the moment, but, you know, can he make that breakthrough? There's so many different storylines to the season, the next-gen players. It's very exciting. And we talk about players coming back from fitness. Someone whose body, and I'm sure you more than most being an Australian, we hope that their body does hold together and you get some momentum as the Australian Tanasi Kokonakis. Now, he wasn't given a wild card. He has come through qualifying. And together with his physio, Ryan Cope, they've been speaking to the ATP Tour Uncovered program about his past injury struggles and how those experiences have made him stronger as he prepares for the 2019 season. Nasi Kokonakis comes through in Miami and more importantly dethrones the number one player in the world. Tanasi's had his fair share of injuries and he's gone through a lot of rehab before and I think it just is reflective of his character that he's super resilient and he's able to put up with uh, a lot of pain on court and push on. It was tough, it was kind of starting back from scratch again. I knew what my level was but I also had so much doubt of, of what I could do and where my game is, I felt like I was a complete shell of myself. I got back from the Olympics, I think I must have been dehydrated, I got really sick after Rio. I started training at IMG and uh, I tore my pec on a forehand, that wasn't great, so I pretty much scrapped that year away. I was struggling a lot mentally in 2016, I didn't really want to leave the house, I didn't feel like I could really go out at all because I'm like I don't have anything to celebrate, I don't have anything to enjoy and that's how honestly I felt, I was like this is my one job and I'm, I'm struggling at it and I'm not there. It was raining in, 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 uh, in winter in Australia. I put on my tracksuit pants, tucked them into my socks and just went for these long runs for about, I don't know, five days straight, probably about 10 to 15 Ks and something I hadn't really done before but I was just feeling that I was like, you know what, if my upper body's injured I'm going to try and get fit. So I kept doing that and uh, yeah, I started coming back to tennis training. I felt there was something wrong in my groin. Got that scan, had osteitis pubis, which is like bone stress in the pubic bone, and that, that was an absolute nightmare, so that kept me out. I, I played in 2017, but I was managing that through the whole year. Tanasi ended his season uh, earlier than what he had planned with his patella tendon injury that he's uh, hurt back in Monte Carlo earlier in the season. I just came off the win of my career uh, in Miami against Federer. I'm playing in Monte Carlo. It's a pretty tight match against uh, Kashanov. I remember it was like I was 5-6 down the first set. He kind of mishits the ball, lands close to the baseline. I go back onto my back leg. And as I'm landing, I land on the sponsor sign in Monte Carlo and I felt like a little pop in my knee. 
So I was freaking out. I could kind of play the rest of the match, but then after my knee just blew up like crazy. Summer's going well. I'm uh, just working on my way back from knee rehab. It's, uh, it's going all right. Um, since Monte Carlo, I've kind of been battling. I have a lot of injections in my knee, so just working my way back slowly. I'm trying to be patient, but he's got Harley Davidson's right behind me. It's not making it easy. Ultimately, I can't fault him for his commitment at the moment with his rehab, uh, for this injury in particular. So we're looking forward to a good summer for Tanasi. He's been massive, not just this part uh, with my knee, but back when I had the shoulder surgery, I was in Melbourne working with Ryan, and uh, he's, he's kind of been with me through the ups and downs, kind of seeing me at my very low. He's kind of been there with me for everything, so I think he understands what I'm going through. Um, and, yeah, he's been super good with me, super positive, and uh, helping every way out. He's committed to a full rehab program now. We're doing some patella tendon loading, which is ideally to help with his pain. It's tough. And once we can reduce Tanasi's pain, uh, he's able to do more in the gym, which is really important for building his lower body strength. And ultimately, what we're doing here is complementing what he's doing on court. And we want him back on court playing for the Australian summer. Four weeks up. Just start with 45. Trying to activate my uh, VMO. Had a bit of sort of pain in the patella. Trying to strengthen up everything around it. So uh, I guess the pain goes away and I'm feeling strong and powerful without being able to squat or lunge or anything like that. So. Get the shakes a little bit, but uh, trying to hold it, especially the first set. For the rehab, a uh, mixture of stuff, a little bit of upper body training, a little bit of conditioning in, because uh, I haven't been able to do it on court, on the track and stuff like that because of the knee, and some, some holds to strengthen sort of around my knee and make sure that I'm feeling confident and stable in it uh, when, when it's time to play points and play matches that I'm feeling ready. Five, four, three, two, one, practice. Uh, reaching my potential, I guess. I guess that's that's what I'm striving for. Trying to be as good as I can be, meeting new people, having good experiences, and, and making a good living out of this. Was it a surprise, or was it expected in the Australian media that he didn't receive a wild card for the Australian Open? Total surprise. Total surprise, because he, he when he does play, he does tend to get the results, and it's just been through injury that has just crueled his career, basically. We've seen him reach the, the absolute highs in terms of his career, in terms of the wins that he's had along the way. It gives you an indication of what he can do, but uh, he didn't play the Australian Open wildcard playoff, which is for the Australian players in December at Melbourne Park, so they, they if they're below the direct entry, they get a chance to play off in a tournament, and so the expectation is that if you want a wild card, you, you turn up and, and play there. So we didn't see him playing there. But, you know, he's been working really, really hard. I guess it's vindication too because he did get through the three rounds of qualifying. He did do the hard work. So he thoroughly deserves the qualifying spot here. If he can get a couple of uh, good results under his belt, then there's there's it opens up the rest of the season for him. But what he needs is a good pre-season. He needs a good run at it for a whole year to get a sense of where he's at. And I know someone has gone with Kokonakis as their breakthrough player of the year. 
you had to pick someone from outside the top 100 to go for i i was tempted but just i think because of the injury history i just i didn't i didn't feel i could other people who have qualified that do make it into the predictions you're going to hear later on the south african lloyd harris is in there Myanmar Kekmanovic, and just to throw some other names of players who are going to be in the first round we've got eubanks troitsky who's been out for a while and and dan evans who's been playing really well it's so satisfying for those players to have come through those rounds of qualifying and be into the main draw this time 12 months ago we were sitting in this exact same spot and we were thinking when's the rain going to stop because the qualifying <laughs> was going on and on it actually went to the sunday the day before uh, the tournament got so underway i was trying to find a few minutes with you to do the podcast last yeah. year because you were running between courts i basically was we moved into margaret court arena and the indoor courts to try and get things done but look it, it we got it all done. It started a day earlier, the qualifying, but huge moments. Qualifying is the crossroads of tennis, I like to think, because you've got the people who are just arriving out on the tour who get an opportunity to see what they can do. You've got the returning players who have been out through injury who just want to really just work their way back up from the, the bottom again. You've got those who are perennials on the Challenger Tour who are, are really trying to grind away. They're keeping their ranking up so they can go into qualifying, but are really trying to scramble for that big opportunity to get in. So there's a real sort of, uh, I guess, blending of different ideas and different where people are coming from as well. Now, this has worked out quite well. I mentioned that we're in the AO Radio commentary box, which is on the Rod Laver Arena. The Canadian Milos Raonic has come out to practice his coaching team, including Goran Ivanisovic, with him. Because I wanted to talk about Nick Kyrgios, who plays Milos Raonic in the first round. I have to talk about Nick Kyrgios because we're in Australia. You're part of the Australian media. He said a few comments early on in his press conference that we expect from him about not having really trained properly and not really that bothered, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Very, very similar to what we've heard before. But what is being said in Australia? Maybe nothing. Maybe the Australian media don't want to talk about it anymore. But what's being said about Nick Kyrgios? Everything that's been said before, really, to be honest. He comes in says... I haven't really done a pre-season, haven't really picked up a racket. I just prefer to be at home with my friends. And that's fine. That is absolutely 100% fine. Has a good win first up in Brisbane, gets found out by Jeremy Shardy, says, I'm not really interested in the whole thing. Played the fast four, had great fun playing that. He loves playing in a team environment too. That's why the ATP Cup next year, this time next year, will be sensational for him because being he, held in Australia. he loves that sort of thing where he can be part of a team and have friends and all that sort of stuff around him. It's just the pressure of being out there on his own. He's played an exhibition event at Kuyong against Bernhard Tomic, which had novelty value, if nothing else. Uh, yeah, the hopes aren't high. We're... It just feels like maybe you've had enough. The vibe <laughs> that sort of flew across that we sort of knocked me out there was that it's it's something, and especially someone who lives and works in Australia, you get asked about a lot, especially at this time of year. And that kind of answer is, you know what, fine, let him come out. We know he's supremely talented, and if it all falls into place and everything runs, he can go on a run and beat anybody in the world. The, the good part is I could talk about Alex Dimonor for hours and hours and hours. On and you end. will do a little bit later. I'm not going to do it now, <laughs> but I'm just the point I'm making, though, is that now that there is a, a group of Australian players, there are, like, on the women's side, Ashley Barty as well, we, we can talk about and go, well, they are getting the results and they are putting in and they're doing all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's been the, consistent all the way through with, with Kyrgios. I mean, deep down, he can be a really nice fella. He's done really good job with his foundation and his charity he, he loves being involved and engaged with that um, you know when he's hanging around you know kids come up to him for autographs and stuff that he's always generous with his time when he's in Canberra he might even drop into a coaching session for 
um, some of the, the locals who are there and participate in that. He does do good stuff. It's just that it's overshadowed all the time by what he does out here on the court. And you just the hope is, I think, for everyone is that the penny will drop and the motivation will be there and the talent was not going anywhere and he will go, right, I'm going to go bang, 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 I'm going to win tournaments, I'm going to be right top ten, I'm going to be right engagement. It's a different way of doing things, but it's an individual sport, as I say. It's going to be interesting to see if we've got Kane Shakuri warming up with Milos Raonic. This is, it's a wonderful place to sit, isn't it? That The view we have, the position we're in on the Rod Laver Arena. We've got Milos and Kay, and then you've got Michael Chang and Goran Ivanisovic out there with them. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Kane Nishikuri brings us on perfectly. I wonder who the next few to practice we can talk about. <laughs> Kane Nishikuri had... A really good end to last year in terms of qualifying for the World Tour Finals. He's already got a title at the start of this season after, what was it, nine finals when he didn't pick up the trophy at the end of it. So much in the past has been spoken about his body and will his body let him down. It's going to be so interesting. And he said, this is, he had a great pre-season. Now I've got this title. He said, I've never had a start to a season like this. It's going to be so interesting to see because we know how talented Nishikuri is, if he can push on from that title at the start the, of the, the year. thing for me is five sets. And the change this year for the tournament is we've got the super tie break, first to ten points at, at the end of the fifth and third set for the women's side of things. Uh, is he able to sustain it across best of five sets and deep into the fifth set? Uh, that, that to me is the question mark, because he can stay with players and get over the top of players ranked below him. But I'm more thinking, I'm giving the credit of saying, hey, first week, no problem. But when you start to come up against players ranked around you in those big moments in deep in the fifth set, that, that for me is the question mark. Young players, another topic of, you talked about Alex de Menor, who we're going to get onto, but the Stefano Tsitsipas and the Karen Hashinov and the, the Daniel Medvedev, really good seasons. And there are others, but really good seasons last year. Can they, they back it up? Can they continue to rise? Can they say, we're here? And we've confirmed the fact that we're here and put even more pressure on the top guys. I think so. I think particularly Sitsipas is the one. But we're forgetting out of that next-gen Sasha Zverev because he never plays the next-gen finals because he's always qualified for the O2. He has that big win. We, we forget how old he actually is. It's incredible, isn't it? And that he is getting the results on the board. Obviously, the question mark is what happens at majors like this. But I, I, I will say that his team... I'm sure that would be a big focus for him because he had a massive training. He arrived in Australia early again before Christmas with the family. So Misha was there, parents, uh, everyone was there. And he was doing massive, massive training blocks in Perth. So it wasn't, hey, I'm here, let's get to the beach sort of stuff. He had his holiday time and all that sort of thing. But he had the opportunity to really get involved heavy training, played three tough matches. Who do you reckon is... When you think about your first match for the season and you're working your way back into it, getting ready for this, who'd be the worst player to play against? Novak Djokovic. Okay, try another one. But that that would be a tough Rafa yep. Nadal, an uninjured Rafa Nadal. Yep, I'll give you one. David Ferrer, who's finishing up this season. Now, a guy who's going to keep you out there for three and a half hours, who's going to run and run and run and not give you anything for free and keep chasing things down and make you work for every single ball, that would be my... my uh, the worst person to come up against because you just want to ease your way into the season, have maybe a straight set, a 6-4 and a 6-2, but he keeps you out. And he did keep him out there for hours. He was playing at the Hopman <laughs> Cup. And it'd be, he's another one that I'm sure will be a theme throughout the season because he's finishing in Madrid this year. So, um, yeah, so he had that tough workout. So he's had the block. I just wonder how, you know, whether the injury is going to be a problem. But he and 
what are we going to see from Shapovalov this year? You know, he's been thereabouts, but hasn't necessarily made that that big jump just yet. Dimonor's, you know, thereabouts as well. It's really exciting. It is. I think and that... as for Hubert Hercash, I mean, oh, I'm on board with him as well. <laughs> there are so many storylines <laughs> heading into the season. It's incredible. But if we went through all of them, this would be the longest podcast it already is. in history of <laughs> podcasts. Peace and Castle alongside me. Your pick of the first round matches. Oh, this <laughs> again, how long have we got? Not long enough, really. I'm sort of looking down the list and I'm thinking, gosh, there's so many different ones to, to choose from. I mean, that potential, you know, Songa Djokovic, I know I'm jumping ahead and saying second round match, but, you know, these are the ones that we're yeah. looking forward to along the way. I'm sort of fumbling through my notes to find all of the, the matchups that I, I wrote down uh, along the way. Um, Zverev, you know, starting off with Bedne, it's not going to be an easy one, particularly if he is injured. Vavrinka Gulbis, we know Gulbis is a bit of a loose unit, fun. but that will be a hell of a lot of fun. Obviously, Kyrgios Ranich, we've, we've spoken about at length. Benoit Pair, Dominic Team. Benoit, we don't know what he's bringing to the table. I still see that comfortable for Team. Yeah, well, anything could happen out there. If By the time the people switch, listen to this podcast, Team might be out. <laughs> uh, Marin Chilich, Bernard Tomic. Tomic's a tricky customer, but Chilich will get him if it goes the distance there. Uh, battle between Andre Rublev. I'm a big Rublev fan, not just because he's an ex-boy band member, but because he, you know, if it wasn't for that injury last year, he he would have been right up at the top of the rankings playing Mackenzie McDonald, who backed up what he did here throughout the season. Kyle Edmund against Thomas Burdick. Yes. With Burdick coming back and showing, getting to the final in Doha that he's had six months. So we've seen this with a few of the players. They, they've they been forced to take time off through injury, the the older players. And at the time you think, wow, that's a long time to be out. But they're refreshed and they come back and Burdick has shown the hunger and desire is still there, making that final in Doha. Now playing Kyle Edmund, who hasn't had the start that he would have wanted to his tennis season. I'll tell you, speaking of Brits, I'm a big fan of Cameron Norrie. Big, big fan. He's got Taylor Fritz. First up, I think he'll beat Fritz. I think he's going to have a good run this year, Cameron Norrie. I think he's going to be sensational. Who was in a final? Yes, in Auckland. Uh, Auckland. So he's got his season to play a couple of matches of the Hopman Cup. I got a good look at him. And, of course, my man, who I'm on board with, all through thick and thin, you've got it here recorded, Diego Schwartzman. Oh, no, I've, uh, people who listen to ATP Tennis Radio know I've been in the Diego Schwartzman you, no, camp for I, a long time. You're just joining. I'm not and just joining. You're just joining an already set up club there, Peter. Well, who's the president of the club? Who else is in it? Me. Which other members of our team are in Just it? Just me. <laughs> so it's going to be you and I. Basically, yes. <laughs> All right. It's not a weird club, though. <laughs> it is, really. Did you have a club with two members? So pick out one of those. If you could only watch or commentate, as that would be part of your duties here, on one first-round tie, what would it be? Out of that list or just in Out general? Out of, well, I guess it would be those. Because Batista Good Murray would be, is going to be sad to commentate, particularly if Andy loses. Might be happy if he wins. Oh, I don't know. Probably Ranich... Kyrgios, because it's going to be unpredictable. But again, it's, in, it's incredible, even with your answer on Kyrgios, which sounds a little bit like, oh, I've talked about this so much, I'm sort of over it. It would still be up there with the matches you would choose because of what Nick Kyrgios brings to the court. Even Gal Monfi's Demir Jumet is going to be an interesting one. What's your pick, though? I think Adi Mariboto Bautista Algut, because it's going to be very emotional, especially after the press conference. And I feel I'm looking at the Brits here, but I think also Kyle Edmund against... Thomas Burdick. I think Kyle Edmund has so many points to defend 
from last year, as yes. I mentioned, hasn't had the start to the year that he would have wanted. He's been out in his shots on social media and he's been been practising with the top players, including Roger Federer, he a top player himself. But against Thomas Burdick, he's such a wily character. He looks refreshed, he looks ready. That is, I think that's going to be a barnstormer of a first round. Now, if if you're ready, Peter, it's about time. I'm going to give Peter just a couple of minutes oh, to, yeah, to find the time capsule and get the papers. As Peter Mercato does that, we're going to hear from tennis legend Mats Verlander and we're going to hear what he's had to say ahead of the season. He mentions a number of players going into the 2019 season. So have a listen to Mats Verlander, then we'll be back with a few of the ATP tennis radio team's predictions. Borna Cioric is very keen to keep changing and keep reaching for his potential. The attitude, the work ethic is obvious during the matches, but the attitude of him trying to improve because he won on grass in Halle, beat Roger Federer. So he's understanding that the natural evolution of his game has to be to come forwards. Kyle Edmund has become big on court. His forehand is bigger these days. His serve is bigger now because his attitude is bigger. And I think with a game like that, he can breakthrough and threaten for slams but at times he's going to be firing in all cylinders and be tough to beat. Karen Khachanov, he has figured out how to somehow get around having a forehand that was looked upon as a weakness because of such a severe grip. Suddenly he's turned his tennis around and it's now becoming a strength. He's more aggressive with the backhand, he's more aggressive coming forwards, he serves better and suddenly now the forehand is becoming a strength. So I think that he's going to work harder and harder and harder to get to the top of the game. These young guys, there's something fresh about them that I'm so excited about. Stefanos Tsitsipas, the, the one that comes to mind first because I didn't think he was going to be ready this early. His forehand and backhand is a throwback to my days, which I love, but I didn't think he was going to come out and, and play this well and having beating the best players in the world, but he has done that. He's the safest bet to be in the top 10 of all the young players. Backhand down the line! Absolutely superb from Rafael Nadal. A couple of perlers this match. Rafa Nadal. Obviously, he's going to run himself into the ground, but I think with that style, I think he can dominate for a couple of more years. I don't think that the younger players coming up necessarily have the tools to beat him on clay. And uh, the only threat I see is basically Novak Djokovic. And of course, he can beat him. Roger Federer, when you see him this year struggle in some of the matches, especially closing matches out or winning tight sets, I think that we see a, a certain stubbornness with him that I really like on the other hand. I think we saw it in the past against Rafa Nadal. He would hit too many slice backhands, get caught up in this duel between Nadal's forehand and his backhand, but he can't win that. He's now taking it to the next level where he says, well, listen, I'm going to play my way. I'm going to take it early. I'm going to miss a few backhands, but I'm not giving you any rhythm. And I think that tells me that he's not done by any means. And I prefer to see him contend at Wimbledon and especially the Australian Open every year. I think the best tennis from Novak Djokovic still hasn't been on display. He's the only player that I've ever said has a chance to win the calendar Grand Slam. And obviously he's won four in a row. I think he can still win four in the same calendar year. So I think the best tennis is still coming out of him and they will not move him out of the top. But apart from that, Nadal and Roger Federer, I don't think that the younger players of 19, 20, 21, 22, I don't think they have much respect for them anymore. Federer rips it back in! Cross court for the winner! You must probably work really hard in the off-season. The Australian Open usually goes to the guy who's the most solid, uh, who doesn't need to practice four hours a day. You always show up emotionally, physically, and he doesn't make mistakes. And then he goes, hey guys, 
how much work did you do in the offseason? Because if you play your best, you beat me. But if you're not at your best, and, and most players are not at the Australian Open, they won't beat them. So that's what Mats Volander had to say about some of the players going into the campaign. So if you're listening to this, you can give us your answer. Feel free to contact us on Twitter at ATP Tennis Radio if you'd like to join in the time capsule as we go through the questions, just write down your answers. You might actually have to send a few tweets, but make sure make sure Are they... Are they still doing the character, your limit on character thing? Or is that why well, I just lost I think eventually, I think eventually it, it runs out. I think there is... <laughs> This, if you're listening for the first time, don't know what we are or have been talking about. There are nine questions that we set. There were eight, but winner from the inaugural predictions competition, Arvin Palmer, has given us his question for this year. Every member of the team, Tennis TV, ATP Tennis Radio, writes down their predictions. Peter locks them away in a ridiculously small box. I take the key, which is almost bigger than the box, back to London. We reunite at the World Tour Finals and that is that. So I think we should just maybe run through a few of ours, pick out some highlights from the others and get them tucked away if it... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if this will differ, but year-end singles number one, Peace Mercato. I said be... Sasha Zverev and I put down a Zverev because rather than just say Zverev, which we had problems with at the O2 last year, I'm being very specific about that. Sasha will be world number one. Novak Djokovic. For me, your doubles world number one pairing will Go be... Go on, say it. We'll say it together. Have we got the same ones? Yes. Marek and Pavic. Pavic. <laughs> Who are the current holders of the title. And I think Pavic is going to win a couple of mixed doubles again this year yeah, too. Yeah, I think it. Comeback player of the year for you will be... Thomas Burdick. Ah, so therefore you will think that he beats Kyle Edmund in the first round. Sure, why not? Okay. I'm going for Juan Martín del Potro. How many times will he come back though? It's across I, I, the year. I think I think I think sensible for him again to, to continue the rehab, not play in Australia, though it's really tough to miss a tournament like this. It's such a, a big part and a favourite of a lot of the players. But uh, he's gonna be my comeback player. Your breakthrough player of the year, and this year we've stipulated it's got to be a player ranked one hundred or below. Lloyd Harris. I've said as breakthrough player. I thought we had the conversation with him, I think it was Milan. Barry Cowan did, had a great fireside chat with him. I think he's an impressive young fella. He's qualified through here at the Australian Open and he will be the breakthrough player this year. I wasn't sure if I'd be... I've gone Jack Sock just because... And people is he say, still oh, ranked outside the top 100? He's 100 and 506, yeah. I think, on, on entry here. And I, I, that, does that still count? I suppose. He's We're making the rules up player, as we go along anyway, so, so it makes no I, difference. I'm going to have Jack Sock. He's now... Bob is back with Mike. The doubles thing is to one side. The focus has been on... And, and, and actually, there's an interesting podcast with John Wertheim who speaks with Mike Bryan. And part of the conversation about getting back together with Bob after Bob's injury is talking about Jack Sock and what he feels he needs to do on the singles courts. So that's a really sort of interesting insight into Jack Sock. Our next-gen winner, yours is... Denis Shapovalov. Denis Shapovalov. I think you'll have... I think understanding what happened towards the end of last year... The training block, I think, has been modified to accommodate that now. I think that, because the season just dropped off. So not as many points to defend Shapovalov across the entirety of the season. I think he'll have a bit more gas in the tank by the time we get to Milan. Now, that's interesting, because I thought you'd have gone with the man that I have gone for, who is? Alex Dimonor. Speaking of Alex Dimonor, now, he is in action 
we can't give you the result of what happens in Sydney because that's a little bit later, but we know he's... We can guess. We, we can guess, but we know he's through to the final. Uh, and the noise you can hear, if you can hear, is the tennis balls being walloped. Was it by Goran Ivanisevic? No, me? no. Or was it Milos. Milos Raonic's serve is coming thundering down and then crashing into the commentary box window outside. Now back to Alex de Menor, who's in action very soon out here in Australia in the final in Sydney. But he spoke to ATP Tennis Radio's Lee Goodall recently about his dramatic rise of the ATP rankings started at 208 in the world and and now where I am right now it's just been incredible and I honestly couldn't have done it with um, the support I've had from the Aussie players you know Johnny uh, he's helped me out a lot uh, Jordan uh, all these Aussie players they've really helped me with just believing in myself and and believing that I belong here and it's just uh, I really owe it all to them. We'll talk about what what you feel you need to develop uh, in the next maybe six months a year in in a second. I just wondered for the perhaps the listeners who don't know too much about what you do away from tournament weeks can you just give us an idea of where your base is and and who's working with you and who's helped you on this journey particularly over the last 12 months? Uh, Well at the moment I I live in Alicante, Spain. that's where the whole family's at, and uh, the little time that I have off tournaments, that's uh, where I spend. Um, and just there with uh, my coach, Adolfo Gutierrez, who he's been with me now, I think, about 10 years. I mean, um, I started with him when I was probably around uh, 8 or 10, and then uh, halfway through, I had to go to Australia and um, started with uh, tennis coaches over there and with the academy and with all the support of Tennis Australia. And when I came back to Spain, we sort of reconnected and it's just been great because he's one of the guys that probably has been there uh, close to day one. And it's been an immense help to have him in my corner as well as, you know, my manager who's done a lot of weeks with me, David Drysdale. He's probably done uh, just finished like four months on the road with me and um, the little things like that just make a huge difference and to have a, a great team around me I can really just focus on on playing tennis and obviously uh, with the great help of uh, Leighton as a mentor and just uh, showing his belief in me it, it it's all been thanks to to the people around me. Yeah, I guess it's it's nice being able to, uh, and I would imagine this is the case, consistently check in with Leighton. And with one eye on the future, I, I think another an impressive element is how well you've done across different surfaces, different continents, right through the season. Have you pinpointed things that maybe you need to say, I need to do this better in 12 months' time, or, or that's going to be something that we, we really need to develop in maybe five years' time, however long-term that plan is in terms of game development? Oh, there's definitely a lot of things, and um, every time you're out there, you you learn new things. And, and I mean, this is only my second year on tour, so uh, still uh, a lot of things where I'm learning, and uh, it's a lot of a learning process. I mean, you gotta you got to know what tournaments to play. I can sort of tell where suits me better and where I feel more comfortable and stuff like that and I think that's just one of the things that you learn from just being on tour. To choose what tournaments you play, see how well the body 
handles all the tournaments if you need to take more breaks or you can play four or five tournaments in a row even how, how you're doing mentally because sometimes that's probably one of the most important things um if you feel good mentally you don't feel tired um then that's when you, you have your good week so you've got to try and and keep refreshed uh, mentally that's why um I'm looking forward to probably playing uh, less tournaments and having more training blocks back home. I think for Alex de Minaur, at the age he is last year, to be the Australian male number one was absolutely incredible. And I love watching him play. Yes, he's got a great game style, doesn't he? And he's, he's all hearts. I mean, when you work with Leighton Hewitt, that's what you get. There's no, no, nothing dramatic about any of that, but what you see out there is what you're getting. So, hey... Good luck to him. I think he's a great player. I think he's going to be consistent. He's going to be one of those players that it will just be now a steady rise from here rather than a dramatic one that we saw in 2018. Who is going to win, going back to our time capsule, who will win the most titles in 2019? Now, on my computer, and I wrote these on the flight over from London where I had no Wi-Fi, so I was putting, I had two names, but I think the one I went with on the notes over there is Djokovic. Yes, and I went with Sasha Zverev. He was my other one who I didn't mm. go with. Oh, well, was great minds are thinking alike. The winner of the singles title, I'll go first because mine's very quick. I've got Djokovic for all four, and then I've got Del Potro coming in first in London. I've got Djokovic, Aussie, French, Dominic Team, Wimbledon, Federer, US Open, Sasha Zverev, and London, Federer. Did you just want to put different names down for all the tournaments? I what? feel you've kind of... Well, I think it'll be spread. an open open spread. you spread things around large. We have to have different names for the eight players who will qualify for the World Tour Finals in London. Your eight who will be there are... Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, Sasha Zverev, Tsitsipas, Diego Schwartzman, Alex Dimonor and Marin Cilic. Well, I feel bad as the president yeah, of the well, Diego I, Schwartzman. I'm not, I'm not spying his name around your answer here. What's going I, on there? I, I do feel bad being the self-proclaimed head of the fan club. Mine, and they're slightly different from what I put on the computer, but I'm pretty sure you can correct me if I'm wrong, that my eight are Djokovic, Zverev, Team Del Potro, Tsitsipas, Hasanov, Dimitrov and Federer? Yes, Oh, my eight. And your headline of the year. Your headline. You can't put that headline no, in. But I've this just is, read it. I knew this would be the bone of contention for yeah, you. Of course it's as, a bone of contention. As I, as I just mentioned, I was on this ridiculously long flight, 17 hours London to Perth, on a plane that has no Wi-Fi. Yeah. I'm really not sure why that didn't come into someone's thinking, which is when I wrote down my predictions, which I wrote, Andy Murray retires. Mm-hmm. I then land in Perth, switch on the phone, Andy Murray has announced his retirement. So at that very time, I took a screenshot of my laptop to send to Naomi Cavaday, and it was probably about Why two o'clock in the morning, just to say that this is what I did on the plane. Peter is not going to believe me when we record the podcast, <laughs> but I need someone to know that this happened on a plane with no Wi-Fi. So I'm, I'm, and a few other people have have put that in. So I'm. I've yet to cite that that message that you sent. A and B. I'll send you a picture of the message. The hardworking producer will be the the sole arbiter of whether it gets included or not. I think he was fine with it because I I already warned him that you wouldn't be happy with my headline. So I I think that has to be. Let's look. Let that's allowed. <sighs> Let's look around. We had we had a couple of we had a couple of very late entrants. Richard Connolly and Colin Fleming just snuck in look, their predictions ahead of the capsule closing. Am uh, I right? It is. You are right. Uh, okay. You want to talk about headlines? You want to talk about headlines? Let's talk about headlines. Richard Connolly. Can I read you Richard Connolly's headline, please? 
Amazing scenes during the third round at Wimbledon as Rufus the Hawk dives down from the new number one court roof, catches a pigeon and devours it bloodily while seated on the net cord. Interrupting the only really longer than three strokes in a first set between John Isner and Nicholas Basilashvili. The latter fires an angry backhand at the Hawk who departs, leaving pigeon entrails on the court. Isner faints and Basil reaches the Wimbledon round of 16 by virtue of his opponent's retirement. That's the article. It's not the headline. That's the whole article. I'm holding it up for you, G. I'm not making this up. That's what I got. That is incredible. Looking through Jill Krabas, who's going to be reporting for us in Indian Wells and Montreal and be in the commentary box for Shanghai. Her comeback player of the year is Joe Wilfred Songa, which is a very good chat. She's got the Bryan brothers who are reuniting, being year-end number one doubles teams. Uh, Dimonor is her next year winner. And Felix Oje Aliasim, who is a quite a popular choice for breakthrough player of the year. The same with Colin Fleming here as well. He's headline of the year. First Asian male to win a slam, Kei Nishikori. Which oh, could be very realistic, which is I very nice for you, Colin. One. Like your work, Cole. Uh, Seb has uh, gone with the Bryans for year-end number one doubles team. Philip Studd has gone for headline of the year, Zverev, to win first Grand Slam. And uh, Arvind Palmer, we should really be jumping on that. He says World Tour Finals are moving as his headline of the year. And he's gone Djokovic, Nadal, Djokovic, Djokovic, Djokovic for all of the big tournaments. We should say that the Arvind Palmer question was, who is going to win the most titles? And if you have a look at the at ATP Tennis Radio Twitter account, you'll see the trophy if you flip through and see what... What was the trophy called? Rudy. It's Rudy, named by his son. It's It's a gold... Cherub wearing a nappy and sunglasses. Yeah, it's um, distinctive. Um, Naomi Cavaday <laughs> says Nadal doesn't win any matches on any surface other than clay. Also going for Roger and Takao as the year-end number one doubles team. Luciol has got Marion Suarez as her year-end number one doubles team. Headline of the year, Nadal retires. And comeback player of the year, Lucy's gone for Dan Evans. And we mentioned that Dan has qualified for the Australian Open. And uh, looking through some of the others uh, along the way, uh, what have we got here? Well, a lot of said Andy Murray announces his retirement. They were before the uh, before he actually made the so announcement. So was mine. Uh, looking at uh, Pete Hodges, year-end number one single, Simona Halep. Have we given him? Has he got the wrong memo again this year, Pete? He's gone with he's gone with Simona Halep for year-end number one singles. He's got what? What is he doing? Is the HWP sending him fraudulent <laughs> information again? But he's giving me all the WTA ones again. Mike Cation, who's reporting for us, he's new to the ATP Tennis Radio team this year. He's going to be reporting for us in Cincinnati. Headline of the year, Federer joins Murray on the sidelines. Well, part of that's right, because Murray will be on the sidelines. Having said that the career is being wound down because of the injury, he's putting Federer alongside. Next-gen winner, Shapovalov, and comeback player of the year. He's gone for Kokonakis. And I should say... Uh, year end number one singles and a lot of this is the most popular answer is Djokovic Barry Mills also gone for that and Matt Brown and uh, Simon Cambers who's a good friend of ours here and does some great commentary work uh, Alexi Popperin is his uh, next gen winner which uh, I think is he's a very astute judge is Simon Cambers I think my headline for him would be get your legs right so we can actually play tennis at some stage uh, Gilles Muller is going to be part of our team uh, this year as well, doing some work in Montreal uh, with us, which will be fantastic. He thinks uh, Dominic Team's going to be the one to win the most titles in 2019. 
And he also says Zverev to lose his first two Grand Slam finals. So the glass half empty, really, for Gilles. Uh, come on, mate. Let's just keep it nice. Claire Curran's comeback player of the year, Bob Bryan. I thought that was very clever. That's a very good one from Claire. Now, we could go through everybody's, but we might be here for quite a while. Okay. What we are going to do is take all these pieces of paper that Peter has printed out. We're going to try and fit them into the very small time capsule it will be locked away and we, and we do promise that it was not opened until london this cool. year and if you look back i think it's the podcast at the end of the year where we played a couple of the quizzes you can hear how peter tried to get in to the time capsule involving chainsaws and motorbikes so and to be hammers. F- yes so yes. what i did was last year i got a two for one deal on time capsules so I've got the second version of the time capsule. So if you think that it looks the same, you're right, but it actually is a different model because the other one, I really couldn't put that back together after we just uh, annihilated it, basically. Next what? year, can you just get a bigger one when you do two for one, just get a bigger one? It's too small. Well, that's, I'm going to have a go. Can I have a go at putting it in now? You, I'll wrap things up. You have oh, a go okay, at putting right. them in. Yep. So just to conclude, your winner for Australia is Novak Djokovic. I'm going to say Djokovic, yes. And part of the AO radio team. So people, when they tune in to ATP Tennis Radio the next couple of weeks, Peter, they will hear a couple of other people on the team with you. At uh, Chris Bowers, who you'd hear as part of our team. I think Jill Krabus is coming in doing some stuff with us as well. Chanda Rubin, you'll hear uh, the first voice, I think, doing the first shift with me. Uh, Steve Pierce uh, is a regular member of our team. Brian Clark, who we're going to hear a little bit of... Uh, uh, on uh, ATP Tennis Radio through the year. Your friend Kate Kearns is back. She's looking forward to seeing you. Doesn't want to see me. Uh, and yes, many, many more. Richard Evans is back. The whole the whole gang's here. Peter, thank you very much for your time and have a fantastic tournament. You too. This is going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> and don't forget, Australian Open listeners, you're also going to be able to hear commentary from the 2019 NITO ATP Finals, the, the Masters, every day of those, the 500 Finals, Next Gen event, and that's via Tennis Australia's Tennis Mash site during the rest of the season under live scores. We've also got the ATP Tennis Radio Exclusives channel on TuneIn, where interviews can be found players, coaches, people involved in tournaments. There is some absolute gold to be found on that app. And another thing to tell you, just remind you, ATP Tennis Radio podcast now available on Spotify together with iTunes, TuneIn and the ATP Tour websites. And we would love to... Well, have a review. If you like what you're listening to, do leave us a review on that. And don't forget the rebroadcasting of ATP Tennis Radio, of AO Radio, sorry, via ATP Tennis Radio. I think that is it. It's in the box. All all the pages are in the time capsule. Shortly, I'll be given the key to lose, or I think I forgot it last year, so I'll be taking care of that. If you'd like to join in with our time capsule predictions, despite this box now being locked, then get in touch with us via Twitter at ATP Tennis Radio. All your answers, and you can be our listener representative in the time capture so you've still got time to do that peter's going to try and lock it i'm off to get some sleep and try and get rid of this jet lag thank you so much for listening to Gigi salmon and peter mccarthy the atp tennis radio podcast keep an eye on atpworldtour.com atp tennis radio the channel and hear the rebroadcast of AO radio and i'll be back at the halfway point of this event getting reaction to what's happened and looking ahead to what's coming up take care for now Catch the first Grand Slam action of the year down under with the Australian Open starting January 14. Hear live commentary from Melbourne Park on ATP Tennis Radio thanks to AO Radio and look out for our daily podcast, The AO Show. Gavrilova goes back that way, Burton's there off the line. Nicely picked up. Djokovic volleys Chandra across call winner. Don't miss AO Radio's exclusive coverage of the Australian Open on ATP Tennis Radio.